I sometimes read public domain books here on Leaves of Glen, and they're usually racist. Not a lot of swear words, but the bigotry is off the charts. Almost everybody, even if you like the author, it's going to have something horrible. Eh, it's just the way it is. It was written a long time ago. They're all like that. Now, I've been including works from current independent authors, with their permission, and that is usually less racist, but sometimes has swearing. So this is a warning that the content you hear on this show might be adult in nature and not to let your kids listen. Oh, everyone needs a break sometime uh, from the harsh realities of your day in and day out life. Uh, I've needed it lately, and um, mostly people will try to take a mental break by diving into an exciting new world that they don't live, like being impossibly hyper-intelligent, a sleuth like Sherlock Holmes, or the world of wizard boys like in Harry Potter. Uh, In my case, I was trying to go for fairy tales, trying to harken back to a simpler time for myself. And um, I decided to read Hans Christian Andersen, which was a huge mistake. And that's where I came up with uh, one of the Christmas stories from a few episodes back, The Fir Tree. And if you didn't catch that, uh, the end of that story, the fir tree dies a horrible, lonely, neglected death. And that's kind of the way all his stories go. I mean, nothing really works out where you feel comfortable. So uh, I dug around until I found uh, a short collection of stories called Maven's Fractured Fairy Tales. Uh, adult, but not naughty. A lot of fun to read. And I'm going to be reading one of the three called The Fairy Frogmother. A story about a fairy godmother who only sort of likes her job. Uh, And then her favorite spell backfires. So um, it's kind of how I'm living. I can identify with it. Let's learn a little bit about the author. Charlotte Babb began writing when she could scribble her name on a chalkboard. Although she sometimes mistook chocolate for Charlotte at the drugstore ice cream counter. She brings to any project a number of experiences, including work as a web designer, technical writer, washing machine gasket inspector, cloth store associate, girl Friday, computer tech, and telephone psychic. She has studied the folk stories of many cultures and wonders what happened to ours. Where the stories for people over 20 who have survived marriage, divorce, child-rearing, education, bankruptcy, widowhood, and love's last kiss, and she writes them. So you can learn more about her and uh, see more of her works, uh, her short stories and full novels, uh, at charlottehenleybab.com, which I'm not going to spell out here. Uh, But if you look in the show notes, I will have that along with links directly to her books uh, and other information. Fairy Frogmother by Charlotte Henley Babb Maven Morgan, fairy godmother extraordinaire, 
stood in the middle of a road deep in the forest, wondering if it were eh, worthwhile to transform one more ash-covered wench into a princess. It was late, not yet sunset, but dark under the ancient trees. Her wand hung heavy in her hand, and her weary wings would not lift her off the ground. She didn't think she could even swizzle up enough energy to poof herself home. Just once, she muttered. Uh, I wish a handsome prince would notice me. No sooner thought than said, no sooner said than one prince, handsome as requested, appeared galloping frantically. He was headed right for Maven as hard as he could ride. Eh, get out of the way, old one, he yelled. Move it. His horse's hooves scattered dirt and leaf mold in his wake. Maven could smell the horse's sweat as she reached for her wand and snapped it toward the prince. Maven's wand eh, arced, sending a hex to turn the hapless prince into a frog. There was plenty of energy for that spell in her anger alone. The green sparkles nearly blinded her as the horse reared and shied away. Sparks flew, and the shockwave knocked Maven off her feet. Rumbling hoofbeats on the road urged her to scramble out of the way, but instead of running, Maven leapt. She narrowly escaped being trampled by five horsemen hastening after the prince. Her heart uh, pounded for a few seconds before she realized how low she lay to the ground and, and how uh, wet her skin was. Reaching up to feel her face, uh, she saw her hand had become four webbed fingers on a pale green palm. She felt for her wings, which were still anchored behind her shoulder blades, but her gossamer dress had disappeared, as had her hair. Maven had turned herself into a uh, frog. Croaking expletives, Maven searched for her wand. It lay miraculously unbroken in the roadway, now longer than her whole body. She grasped it with Eight tiny fingers braced the handle against the dusty road and swung with all her weight, mumbling the spell through her body-wide mouth. Eh. Magic showered down, but nothing happened. At least, she still had some magic. Maven dragged the wand out of the dust, which was fast drying on her skin. She could smell water only a few leaps away. She crawled through the leaf mold, learning that webbed feet were not designed for walking. Finally, reaching the creek, she plopped into re-slimer skin. She needed backup. It wasn't going to be pretty, but she might as well face it now. A soggy maven landed on the desk of Fiona, fairy godmother superior, who was scribbling arcane notes in their ledger. Fiona's silver hair wasn't tarnished. Her wings trailed dusty cobwebs. Maven sympathized. How did Fiona manage to deal with magic disasters through the centuries? Fiona glanced up. Glaring at the interruption without appointment, her eyes met Maven's, her mouth uh, began to twitch. She snickered and then laughed until dust and cobwebs went flying. You have a taste of your own favorite spell, she said, wiping her tears. How many people have you turned into frogs this cycle? Maven dripped silently. Fiona pulled her crystal ball from her desk drawer and called up Maven's files. She giggled, the cackle of a crone with the snigger of a teenage girl who had finally gotten the best of a rival. This prince uh, appears to wear a ward stone from the head of a frog. Your spell interacted with that one, and it was enforced by a covering counterspell. Someone wants him well protected. I don't suppose you know who he is or what he was. All I can remember is nearly being trampled. 
Ah, you wished him there. I have discussed your habit of speaking aloud before. Now, do you see what kinds of difficulty you can cause, even if you do not intend to grant yourself a wish? Uh, do you see why it is not done? Sometimes the only correct answer is yes, ma'am. Fiona ran the scenario again, magnified in slow motion. I'd say this is the son of a Terran, a fairy godmother who crowned herself queen of a forest on the Lower East Side of Fairy. He looks uh, to be the right age. You have conflicted with your predecessor. She disappeared when the castle of Nue was destroyed. Maven was glad to hear that it was at least one disaster was not blamed on her. Only Terran can undo this spell. Her magic is as strong as yours is, and it just is unconventional. I hope your gift for Blarney will help you here. Fiona consulted her ledger. You are slated for counseling on Fairy Godmother Burnout next cycle. Perhaps you can find Terran and ask her to accompany you. Oh, yes, Maven Sibbard. I'll just hop into her keep and say, How about a makeover for me, your highness, and then we'll just beander on home for a little head-shrinking after. I'm sure she'll be all for it, Maven sighed. She missed having eyebrows to glare under. Think for a moment, said Fiona. You might start with the prince and find out why he's running. In the meantime, you can grant any wishes which originate in frogdom. I can't grant wishes like this. I can barely lift my wand. You are not ill nor without magic, and you are on the payroll. Do your best, and I shall keep an eye on you. Before Maven could answer, Fiona poofed her back to the creek. More pressing matters grabbed Maven's attention. A large group of frogs converged on her. More frogs than she had ever seen. Green and yellow frogs, some with uh, uh, red eyes, some with spots, some with tattered webs on their feet. Others swelling out their throats at a belch that complains. Big frogs, tiny frogs, even a toad or two, all hopping, leaping, uh, crawling toward her, all angry and croaking loud enough to deafen a giant. Maven tried to remember if frogs ate each other, uh, but found her amphibian lore sorely lacking. In a moment, she was surrounded. Then the yelling started. Uh, change me back. Yeah, me too. It's about time we frogs had somebody to grant our wishes. All the frogs had wishes, and most of them involved transformation back to being human. Maven held up her wand, trying to listen to all of them, or any of them, to get some idea of why they had all appeared just then, what they wanted, and what she could do about it. Fiona did not like coincidences, so she did not likely cause this plague. The main thread she could hear among all the croaking and wailing was these women who had been frogged were very tired of being green. Maven strained again to grasp the wand and prepared to jump, hoping that if she could hang on to the wand in midair, it would wave enough to cover at least a few of them. Her quote-unquote hands began to cramp, clutching the shaft as she straddled the grip. She fluttered her wings as much as she could, but it didn't help much. She vaulted, riveting every canceling spell she could think of, landing in water, still clutching her wand. She kicked her way to a launching surface and tried again, this time aiming for the creek bank. Curses were muttered in the frog chorus, imprecations of doom, death, disease, and disfigurement against Queen Terran. Maven established that if a frog had wings, it would still bump its butt. One voice, very small, seemed to have a different request. Maven sought its source as she rested from her futile spelling. 
Uh, please, will you help me? Asked a small frog with large emerald green eyes. Well, these frogs are real women, and they talk all the time about how wonderful it is to be human. I wish I were human. Uh, can you make me human? Fiona had told her to answer requests. It's worth a try, little one, Maven bounded once more, croaking one more general spell of mutation from frog to human. Only one woman appeared, a long-legged siren with emerald eyes and long webbed fingers. Maven wove a dress from the mud on her skin. The frog chorus uh, shut up. Amazed at the success of the transformation, Maven cast another spell to keep them that way long enough to get some answers. You really are my fairy frog mother, the woman said. You granted my wish. That's what I do, honey. What's your name? I am Midori. Do you think the prince would like me? What do you know about a prince? They, she waved a webbed hand at the pond, etc., have had to follow him ever since they got turned into frogs. They have to get something from him to go back to being women. Do you think you would like me? Maven saw the seed of an idea. You know how it is with magic, she said. You have to get him to love you, even when you're a frog. It might be best to find him first and then tell him the truth. Murmurs came from the bog as the silencing spell wore off her. Magic was slipping. Why can't you free us? She's just a frog. I'm a real princess. You are not. You're a dairymaid. Who ever heard of a fairy frog mother? Ladies, ladies, calm you, Maven croaked. I've already tried all the spells I know. I can't undo someone else's magic. Maybe if you fill me in on this queen you're cursing and her prince, I can get her to change you back. The woods filled with the protesting croaks of dozens of desperate frogettes. But as the night faded into pre-dawn, Maven gathered the elements of a plan. Any female within five feet of Prince Irwin, only son to Queen Terran, became short, uh, green, and slimy. Most of them were caught in the moat around the castle, which was surrounded by a magic desert. The queen evidently uh, liked their singing. These Woodland frogs, uh, however, were mostly maidens who had ventured unknowingly or purposely to near the prince as he fled the queen's magic. Unfortunately, the frogettes were drawn to him like flies to roadkill. Even as they told Maven their stories, they hopped through the forest searching for him. At dawn, he was discovered sleeping on a bedroll covered with a cloak, his horse tethered nearby. He had doubled back into the forest to escape both his trackers and any unsuspecting village maidens. Maven hopped forward, telling Midori to stay hidden. She shushed the frogs, making the forest dawn suddenly quiet. The prince sat up, eh, startled. He stared into the dark, seeing only dozens of pairs of bulging eyes. His escape was cut off by frogs on all sides. Uh, I hate frogs, he said mournfully. I know you can't help it, but please, just leave me alone. We'd love to, your highness, Maven said, but we need your assistance. That stone you wear causes all the havoc. If you could remove it. Only my mother can take it off, he said, or a woman who is not affected by the spell. He rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and studied Maven with her wand. And you uh, cannot use your counter spells either, uh, witch frog. But go ahead and try. Your magical folk are all stubborn, as I well know. In magic, eh, the rules must be followed, but only to the letter. The worker sets her own intent. Maven pretended to try enchanting the prince, but instead laid a protection spell on Midori and 
glamour to hide her true form. Neither a sparkle nor a flash came from her wand. Uh, can I go now? He got up and packed his small camp, jerking his bedroll from beneath the frogs that had climbed aboard. Uh, we can't stop you, Maven said, but your highness, I entreat you. Take me back to your mother and let me reason with her to free all these maidens. Might as well reason with a dragon for its horde, the prince said. It is useless anyways. If I do not find a bride by sunset tomorrow, I never will. It is my 21st birthday. Heard magic dooms me at sunset to be your child forever. Never to marry and never to be my own man. Maven motioned to Midori, who stepped forward, kneeling at the prince's feet. She said nothing, but gazed into his eyes. Erwin backed away. No, stop, you'll be. But Midori, of course, did not change. Maven expected a spark betwixt her magic shielding and his, but the strength of it surprised her, as did the other spark between the two. The prince took Midori's hand and brought her to her feet, only barely restraining himself from stealing a kiss. They gazed at each other, each talking in the beauty of a human form they had never beheld at such range. Even the other frog sighed in romantic longing. Maven felt a pang of envy for that look. She was much too old for that sort of carrying on. Hadn't had a boyfriend since before she came across the veil from real, and certainly not since she became a fairy godmother. It wasn't done. How can you, he asked, holding her hand, taking in her every curve. He had never seen a young woman so close before, never looked so deeply into a woman's eyes. But he was a prince, strong of purpose, decisive. If you will have me, I will have you as her bride. Yes, her prince, murmured Midori. The early rays of dawn shone in her eyes. Maven croaked to get their attention. Perhaps we should go to your mother first, and then have the wedding, she suggested. For her sake, he said to her, I will take you to plead for these others. But only you, as I cannot abide these creatures, he glanced around, uh, shuddering. He handed Midori a saddlebag, touching her hand for a long second. Make a safe place uh, for the witch frog, for we must cross a great desert to reach her mother's castle. You must wear my cloak to shield you both from the sun. Midori lined the leather bag with the dripping moss from the creek bank while Maven concocted a spell to keep her cool inside the cloak. A steamed frog would not save the day. Erwin uh, took Midori's hand, lifted it to his lips, and kissed her palm as he lifted her into the saddle. He didn't notice the thin webs between her fingers. To pledge her troth to you, I will give you the magic stone, Erwin said, but you must take it off. Leaning over, Midori kissed his cheek softly. She lifted the leather thong from around his neck and placed it around her neck. No, Maven cried from inside the bag. The magic! Too late! Uh, the stone glowed briefly, transferring the protecting spell to Midori and adding the prince to the amphibian multitude. The frogs cheered as Erwin shook his head and blinked, crawling away from the horse's hoof. My prince, Midori cried. She jumped down from the saddle and picked him up. Eh, fairy frog mother, help him. Let me out, Maven said. I can't work from in here. Maven put a short-term spell of calmness on the horse. Midori set her on the ground, and she tried to change her went back to his manly self, but with no luck. He was as caught in the spell as Maven and the other frog women. Midori loaded Erwin and Maven in the bag and climbed back up on the horse. Not an easy task for a frog who is 
been a woman for only a couple hours, and of course she didn't know how to ride. Maven wondered if the horse had enough sense to just go home on his own. She listened to the horse's story, but he had never been to the Queen's kingdom. Erwin had traded him at a tavern. Rustling sounds came from the woods, and nearby a voice cried out, There he is! Surround him, men! The queen's horseman had spotted a figure in the prince's cloak. Quickly, Maven mumbled a spell to disguise Midori. The horseman dashed to his side, scattering his green retinue. You must return with us, your highness, said the captain of the riders, tired from the long chase. Today you must face the queen, oh, with a bride or without. Midori said nothing, but the prince croaked from the bag. I will return. But I am fatigued from this long journey and weak from the lack of sleep and food. Please lead my horse back home. With my own hand, your highness, said the captain. The horseman cantered through the forest, leaving behind the group of frogs who were unable to keep up. The frogs croaked sadly in the distance until the horseman reached the broad meadows. Morning passed and afternoon came before the men stopped to rest the horses and give them drink. Jolting and bruised, Maven, Irwin, and Midori sweated in silence. The captain of the horsemen brought Midori a canteen of water. She took it without a word and drained it, gulping the water almost at one swallow. She handed it back to the captain, who stared at her pale hand. Inside the saddlebag, Maven and Irwin wriggled into the moss, trying to stay wet. Do you have a plan? Irwin asked. He looked sadder than ever, his large eyes pale in the darkness. She won't listen to reason. If she wants her son back, Maven said, she'll have to reverse the spell. At least, Maven hoped that was the case, and she hoped that Erwin would not hurt Midori when he realized what she was. When everyone had been given water, the queen's men started out across the dry plain, barren of plants, as far as the eye could see. It was not just a desert, for there is life in the desert. This was scourged land, rocks scraped dry of topsoil with no relief from the sun, no slight breeze or trickle of water. Magical wards protected the queen's realm, fear-mongering illusions. How desperate Erwin must have been to face his own fears to escape. Maven listened to all the stories of the horsemen. They seemed to be under glamour as well, both to find Erwin and to return him to the queen. They were afraid of their queen, eh, but too afraid not to return with their quarry. That kind of power overtook a lot of energy. Maven wondered how the queen managed to channel it. Midori was not dealing well with the heat, although the spell under the cloak was helping. Fortunately, the queen's wards had a little effect, as Midori's frog-like mind had little imagination. Maven and Erwin weren't doing nearly as well. They were wet, but nearly parboiled as well. Erwin kept twitching, closing his eyes and muttering to himself. Images of snakes slithered through Maven's mind. She knew that some snakes ate frogs, but her familiar was a snake, and it had never offered to eat her. She decided to try imagining cool pools of shining water, dappled in shade and sunshine. The harder she worked at her imagery, the less afraid and more comfortable she became. That was her answer. Fear was the queen's energy source. Fear, loathing, and any other emotion that being locked in a frog's body might engender power, overfueled by the fear of the power, the oldest trick in the book. Maven hoped they would reach the castle well before sunset, as she had a lot of spellcasting to do and no room to do it. She explained to Erwin uh, what he needed to do is to keep his wits about him. 
By the time they reached Queen Terran's castle, the setting sun sent shafts of golden light into the great hall from just above the treetops. Frog voices echoed as the party crossed the moat. Maven heard longing and sadness, anger and fear in the voices. Plenty of energy to keep the spells going. The party stopped. The captain assisted Midori from the horse, thinking that his prince was weary and weak from the heat. Maven's glamour had faded in the face of Terran's magic. He could not help but see that eh, she was shorter than the prince was and much lighter. But she also wore the amulet. Midori retrieved the two frogs and Maven's wand, which she wrapped in the sleeve of her dress so as not to touch it. She pushed back the cloak from her shoulders and carried Maven and Erwin before her, as if she were presenting them as gifts. The queen rushed out to meet her son. Her graying hair hung frizzy around her hollow and dark-eyed face. Her rich robes hung from her frame as if they had been worn for weeks. She froze in horror when she saw the amulet hanging from Midori's neck. I have found a bride, mother, Prince Erwin croaked. Having regained some composure, he hopped out of Midori's hand with a splat on the floor. Change her back. Who dares to transmute my magic? Terran's voice silenced the hall. The sun's light deepened to gold. Uh, magic kept too long. Uh, it turns on itself, Maven said. You may have your son forever, as he is, or you may let him live as he is meant to live. But choose now, for this day seals the spell. No woman shall have him, the queen cried. She pulled her wand from the sleeve of her robe and sent the spell toward Midori. But as with Maven, it backlashed shrinking her into amphibian fury. I am no woman, Midori said. She removed the stone and laid it at her feet. She motioned to Maven. See my true form? I am sorry, my prince. Maven removed her spell. They sat in the shadows of the sunset, red light making banners that floated ever higher on the walls, four frogs facing fate. Erwin edged closer to Midori. He looked into her eyes, still the same emerald shade though much more prominent. Eh, I never liked frogs, he said, but now that I am one, I see how beautiful you are. He pulled himself up to his most regal stature. I pledged my troth to you, and if you will have her, prince or frog, I will marry you. Frogs need not marry, Midori peeped. I am yours, they embraced. The shadows climbed the walls as the sun began to set. Eh, What do you want, Queen Terran, Maven asked. Can you leave your son like this to keep your illusion of youth? Set him and yourself free. Come back to your old life. You have lost me, mother. I will be myself, whatever you decide. The sun glowed through the window as it neared the horizon, the light becoming rosy red. Taryn wobbled, first toward Erin and then toward Maven, her eyes twitching. Love is stronger than magic, Taryn, Maven said. Love your son. Use the magic and set him free. Eh, let him be happy. Taryn crawled to the touchstone, trembling. It must be said in sunlight, she croaked. Help me. She took one side of the necklace and Maven took the other, nodding agreement. They leapt to the window casement. It was high, but they scrambled up the ledge. Holding the stone up between them, they chanted the spell in the last rays of the sun. Polychrome sparks uh, flowed out of the stone, followed by screams and wails, shrieks of joy, and moans of uh, disgust. Every frog maiden within a hundred leagues was suddenly human and uh, naked, uh, wet again, scrambling to get out, get dry, and get away, and get dressed. Except Taryn, Midori, and Maven. Prince Erwin scooped up Midori in his hand and looked deeply into her eyes once more. He kissed her.
stroking her head and back with his forefinger. His mother and Maven spoke together to complete her transformation. Erwin did not release her, but held her close as she transformed, letting her slide from his hand to stand on her feet. The full moon rose as the sun set and the damp dew fell. The magic desert disappeared in the darkening twilight as the moat spread its water out to meet the distant forest. It was a good night, had to be a frog. What about us? Being a frog didn't seem so bad, Terran said. I'm too old to start being green, Maven hopped down to retrieve her wand. Not something to be left lying around. When Terran followed, she dragged the stone down from the window, shattering it on the castle floor. Yeah, get your wand, quickly, Maven said. Let's grind this stone into dust, sprinkle ourselves with it, and maybe we can change each other back. Maven showed Terran how to ride the wand and leap into the air. They called in a tiny dust devil to swirl the broken pieces, magically grinding them into sparkling dust which stuck to their skin. They said the transformation spelled together and emerged fairies again, gossamered and winged. What happens to rogue fairy godmothers, Terran asked as she fluttered around the great hall. I don't know that I want to go back to saving the youngest and goodliest from the evils of society. Fiona mentioned counseling... But the last time she counseled me, I spent a couple of cycles living under a bridge as a troll. Fiona's still in charge? Terran made a face. Maven nodded. Eh, So much for that. Don't you think we can find some good to do? I know I've had enough of Cinderella's and Sleeping Beauties. Let's find some uh, older women in distress. Yeah, or some older men. They flew out into the golden moonlight in search of adventure. If you have kids, you're going to want them to stay kids forever. I know I have that problem. I have two daughters that are just getting older. And I don't like them turning into teenagers. Because I like it when I was important in their world. I was equally as important to them when they were tiny kids as anybody else they knew. Now I am the last person they think about. So can I identify uh, with trying to keep your kid a kid? Never get married? Uh... Turn everyone else around them into frogs? I can identify with that. I get it. Is it right? No. Because what happens if I'm 70 years old and I still have this sort of child woman bugging me all the time when I'm just trying to watch Matlock? So I think we've learned a valuable lesson there. Let your kids grow up. Let them get get married. It's fine. Uh, We also learned that fairy godmothers can get real lonely and want to kiss old men. So, take that with you on this episode, and, uh, and I will see you next week.